The Tao of Self-Confidence, Episode 701. Welcome to the Tao of Self-Confidence, where I share stories of amazing women who have discovered their inner journey to self-confidence. Visit our website at thetaoofselfconfidence.com. Your inner journey to self-confidence awaits. Well, hello, friend. Welcome to the Tao of Self-Confidence, where I share stories of amazing women who have discovered their inner journey to self-confidence. I'm your host today, Sheena Yap-Chan, and today I have an amazing lady on the show today. She's a clinical psychologist, and I'm really excited to have her on and share her story with us today on self-confidence. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Dr. Jamie Chu. Dr. Jamie, how are you today? Maybe you can fill in a little bit more by yourself to the listeners. Hi, Sheena. Thanks for having me on. So yeah, I'm a clinical psychologist and partly is, you know, when I was a teenager in my early 20s, I struggled with depression, anxiety, and bulimia. And it was just so hard to tell anybody. And I really felt that it was my problem and I felt there was something wrong with me and I felt so weak. And so I really tried my best to hide it and I never tried to get for help. And so that really inspired me to become a psychologist. And my goal is to try to change how young people can get support for their mental health. And so what I've done is I work with schools to do uh, mental health screening, but we've developed it like a interactive story so that students can feel comfortable and in a really like friendly and safe way, be able to share how they're feeling and be able to privately ask for help from a teacher or a school counselor. So I work with schools across Asia doing that. And I also have a private practice where I work specifically with girls and young women to overcome mental health challenges so that they can develop more resiliency and resourcefulness. Thanks for sharing that. And I think that's great what you're doing because like mental health isn't really like not talked about, especially in Asia, right? You know, like Asian upbringing, you're not pro- like nobody tells us, you know, to share your problems or talk about our feelings. And, you know, it starts from a young age, right? I mean, a lot of people have trauma from ch- from their childhood. So I think um, that's great, especially helping younger kids realize like, you know, we can start you know, like if there is something we can start fixing it or find a solution for it now. So thanks for sharing that. And Dr. Jamie, what's your cultural background? So I'm originally from Hong Kong. So my family's from Hong Kong, but I grew up in Ghana. And then in my teenage years, I moved to Australia. And, you know, it really resonates what you were saying about the Asian culture and not talking about feelings and not talking about what's going on. And that was really true in my family. So I grew up in a very traditional family where, you know, my dad was a sole income earner and my mom was housewife. And even though we're in Ghana, in Africa, we were very much in a very close-knit Chinese community of maybe like 10 families. And so it was like this strange thing of growing up abroad, but still in a very Chinese community. And the same happened when my parents split up. I was not 14 and we moved to Australia and it was still a very much a Chinese community there that we were, that my mom was always you know, hanging out with. And it's interesting to note that I think Asians who are living in different communities tend to be a bit more traditional than even what I found like families in Hong Kong to be. Thanks for sharing that. I totally agree. You know, my parents uh, migrated to Canada and it's the same thing. Like we have a set of like family friends. They're, you know, same as us. And we're like a tight, close group, right? (laughs) It's like just because, you know, people migrate, they still do instill those Chinese values or Asian values that that we have or that they brought with them. So I I totally agree with that. And, you know, what was what's your favorite self-confidence quote? 
My favorite self-confidence quote is from a psychologist I really admire, Dr. Irvin Yalom. And the quote says, sooner or later, she had to give up the hope for a better past. And this really resonates with me because especially during the times when I was struggling with my own mental health and in my teenage years, I was always feeling so much shame you know, about my past. I felt really embarrassed and I would always replay incidents over in my head and I always wish like if I could be different. And I think also just growing up Chinese but in a, a, in a different country, I was always the only Chinese kid in my class. So I always also kind of attributed that a bit to my race, feeling so different and feeling like I didn't belong there. So sometimes I would think like, oh, you know, life would be easier if I was a white person. Life would be different if, if my family was still intact. So I was always trying to wish for a different past. But I think this quote really inspires me to think more about or empowers me to know that I can actually do something about my current situation and my future if I only stopped, you know, thinking so much about what could could have been different. Thanks for sharing that great quote. And in your own words, how do you define self-confidence? I think self-confidence is having the ability to believe in yourself that if you, that to believe in yourself that you can learn and grow and then be able to take constructive steps towards this kind of better state that you're imagining. And it's not just about feeling good about yourself, but I think it's also being able to recognize good in others and be able to celebrate that with them and not have to feel threatened or feel like, like you're being compared or feel bad about yourself as well. Thanks for sharing that great definition. And Dr. Jamie, what was your life like before your discovery of self-confidence? I was very nervous. I was very anxious as a kid. And I think it's because, you know, my family moved to Ghana when I was six. And it was like a completely different place from what I had known. And I also didn't speak any English when I first moved there. So when I went to school, I was picked on. I was also the only, you know, Chinese kid in the class. And I think that kind of instilled this feeling of like, I'm not good enough. And that really followed me, especially when my parents separated. But then my mom didn't have any, you know, she didn't have like a financial earning power. And so even though we were separated, and we were living in Australia, my dad was still in Ghana, we were still financially relying on him. And that also just felt very insecure feeling that, that he could stop sending us money and then what would we do? And so I think a lot of that insecurity and and yeah, just constantly self-doubting and feeling like a bit of a burden to my family, thinking that you know I could probably do better and wanting to do better as well. Thanks for sharing that. And you know, it was that point in your life when you realized you can go out there and, you know, have that confidence to, you know, be who you are and just be, you know, accepting yourself for who you are. And, and you know, especially doing something like what you're doing with mental health, like what was that aha moment? I would say it was, it was less of like a big aha moment, but more of like smaller ones. But definitely, I would say I struggled a lot. And then now I have like a little kind of moment where something would click inside of me and then my mindset shifts a little and then I was able to see things differently and that kind of kept happening. But I feel like one of the perhaps the more profound one was when I was in my early 20s and my mom finally decided to like divorce my father. So for a while, like even though they're separated, there'll be like a few years and then they would try to get back together 
and then it wouldn't work and then they will you know separate again and so what was what stood out to me so much and I guess what impacted me so much was the fact that everyone else around my mom like all her friends and all her own relatives were telling her not to do that because they were you know very traditional mindset thinking like oh you know your husband makes money you should stay with him despite everything he does you know it doesn't matter if he's having an affair as long as he still recognizes you as a wife you should stay there and I think just seeing my mom stand up for herself and move away from this you know relationship and be able to say no that's I'm doing this for myself and I and I really felt like that inspired me to be strong because I was like well if my mom could do it she you know didn't go to school much she doesn't she never really worked but she's willing to take that risk to do something just for herself that that made me feel like well then that means that I can do I can do it too and so I feel like that was one of the aha moments that really got me Thanks for sharing that. And you know, it's great that your mom was able to stand up for herself because there's a lot of Asian families out there who, and women like who feel like they're trapped in their marriages, right? You know, living in Asia, you hear all kinds of stories and you know, it's 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 sad at the same time and because they feel like there's no way out there or no way out for them. Um but you know, like you mentioned, here's your mom who's who never went to school, you know, she wasn't the income earner, but she's willing to stand up for herself and realize she deserves better and which inspired you to realize like anything's possible, right? And because of that, what's your life been like now? I would say I still definitely pay attention to, you know, confidence is a big theme that I often try to reflect on and work on, especially just given my own, yeah, like history with my own mental health. It's always a struggle and self-doubt tends to kind of be my default mode, but I try to consciously and intentionally, you know, put effort into it so that I can carry myself differently. I catch what I say, I think that's been a big exercise of mine is always just catching how I talk because I really feel like how we talk shapes a lot of how we think about ourselves. So whenever I would say things like, oh, I'm not good at this or over apologizing, I would catch myself and be like, no, don't say that. Uh, what's, a, what's a more confident way or a better way to express you know, what I want to say? And I feel like that's kind of helped me continue to grow in my own confidence, my own self-belief. Another thing is that because I work as a therapist, so oftentimes I would ask myself, you know, what would what would I do or how would I act differently or how would I respond to certain incidents if I knew, let's say, my patients were, were here with me and they could see me. It's like, how could I always live up to certain ideals and standards and set a good role model for them as well, even though, you know, they wouldn't know what I do in my own time, but I feel like I would want to be the kind of person that, yeah, young girls can look up to and feel like I'm a model for them. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, to the woman who's listening to your episode, she may be in her own journey to self-confidence. What would be that one tip you would give to her? Well, actually, even in my own therapy practice, self-confidence comes up a lot as a frequent theme, especially because I work with girls. And I think this is a very uh, women-specific issue as well. I mean, of course, men struggle with it too, but I think women have like a different set of challenges. One thing that I've always found very powerful to work with, and I think this is something that any woman can do on their own, is to sort of examine their own beliefs around self-confidence. Because I feel like a lot of women worry that if they're confident 
it means that they become arrogant or if they're confident it means that they're going to be a jerk to people or that they have to you know always bring the attention to themselves and some people also worry that if to be confident or be content in oneself means that you're not going to grow and you're not going to try to do better so i feel like being able to first sort of identify are there any beliefs that aren't that helpful for you and might actually be holding you back and be able to kind of directly confront them and see how you could reshape them into something that is more constructive for you. Thanks for sharing that great tip. And if our listeners wanted to get to know a little bit more about you and what you do or check out some of your work, is there any links or social media profiles we can connect with? Yes, they can check out my Twitter. My handle is at I'm Jamie Chu, or they can go to the website for my work with schools, which is uh, thebrightlyproject.com. I think I signed up for a newsletter there. Thanks for sharing that. And to our listeners, if you want to connect with Dr. Jamie, you can also head on over to the thetaoselfconfidence.com and search for Dr. Jamie's name. Her show notes will pop up along with everything else that we talked about. And I really just want to thank Dr. Jamie today for taking the time to share her story and tips with us on self-confidence. So thank you so much, Dr. Jamie. Thank you, Sheena. This was fantastic. Thank you. Not a problem. It was really great having you on the show. And to our listeners, be on the lookout for another new episode of Another Amazing Woman's Journey to Self-Confidence. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Tao of Self-Confidence. Get your free self-talk tape for building self-confidence by visiting our website at thetaoofselfconfidence.com. Your inner journey to self-confidence awaits.